1: everybody welcome to screen talk it's the holidays and i have a special guest
0: our uh
1: film writer chris lindahl welcome
0: hello Anne.
1: he is our fabulous los angeles film reporter although you're on the east coast right now i understand
0: that's right yes i'm i'm in the the epicenter of it all with omicron uh in boston uh enjoying the holidays
1: I'm glad, but you've also been doing some reporting on the impact that Omicron is having on the film industry and we've just been seeing one thing after another shut down. What have you figured out is, is going on here?
0: Well, it you know, it really has been a, a cascade of of cancellations just over the last week and you know, it, it it's such a uh, you know, it's such a dramatic turn from I think there was really a sense that Um, you know, in the, in the larger world, things were, you know, seemed to be getting back to some semblance of normal, but I think that, um, you know, the sentiment was maybe especially true in film because, um, you know, there was a sense that things, things could happen that, that hadn't been able to happen over the last year, you know, just with kind of in-person events, in-person award shows, um you know, Sundance, everyone was looking forward to Sundance um, as, you know, kind of this, a little bit of a comeback in terms of being able to meet in person um, when so much of the business has been done remotely over the last almost two years now. And now we've just, you know, we've seen cancellations, um, postponements, the BAFTA tea not happening, uh, the Palm Springs Film Awards Gala not happening. Um, and, you know, I think that there's a, um, you know, organizers are, are looking ahead just over the next few weeks and that's where we're seeing a lot of cancellations, but I think there's just a lot of questions about, you know, well, what about later in January? What about February when there are even more events happening? And, and I think that, um, you know, there's a lot of just wait and see right now because no one really knows how hard this is going to hit, but it does seem to be, uh, impacting quite a lot.
1: Okay, well, let's talk about some of the, so Critics Choice has doubled down and say that, that so usually they're in this sort of breezy, uh, chilly, in fact, uh, hangar in Santa Monica, airplane hangar, um, and uh, that would almost seem preferable to being inside a hotel, which is what they're doing, um, but they're saying they're going to go forward no matter what, right?
0: Yeah, that's what they're saying. I mean, you know, they, they left a little bit um, you know, they did leave it a little bit open-ended where I think that there is a chance that they might modify their plans um, a little bit closer to the event, which I think is that, you know, kind of first full week in January, right? They also
1: need uh, presenters. They need people to show up. They need,
0: they need people to show
1: up. Star power to arrive. So I'm curious to see how that plays out.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, this is, there's a lot riding on this for them, isn't there? I mean, just with the, the, oh, g- the golden globes now. of it all. Yeah, so, you know, I think that they, they're they probably looking at this as, you know, they certainly want to approach this with a lot of caution from a health standpoint. And, you know, they've talked about, um, you know, they're requiring proof of Vax, which I think at this point is just par for the course for basically leaving your house uh, if you want to go to a restaurant or a bar. Um, but they're also requiring a negative, recent negative test result. They're doing social distancing, masks. Um, you know, so there's a level of, preparedness there that I think they, you know, they couldn't really do much else, um, you know, and still have the show. Yeah. I think they're, you know, they're probably waiting to see, as you point out, is this something that is maybe going to subside toward the beginning of January? uh, And maybe that's when they would make the call.
1: Yeah. So, so the other, the other thing, Sundance, when I spoke to Tabitha Jackson um, and Kim Yutani about Sundance around the time of the announcement of the program, Um, it was pretty clear that they have everything planned out, you know, they know what the, you know, if this happens, they do this, if this happens, they do that. So if, if there's a live component planned for Sundance and the safety, uh, concerns become so great that they can't do it, then they move over to the online side and, and everybody stays home and and does what they did last year and, and watch Sundance on, online is that your sense
0: yeah i keep going back to um i I remember at some point earlier in the pandemic gavin newsom talked about a dial and you know you could turn the dial back and forward based on how you know what the needs are based on the disease progression and how prevalent it is in in whatever community um and you know and i kind of am seeing it seems like sundance is kind of set up for that where everyone who's accredited even if they've indicated that they want to go in person and you know my sense is that a very large number of people are planning to go in person and i think there will be i'm
1: very, i mean there's a reason we want to go to film festivals yeah. because we want to see the films in theaters for one thing because it's so much better we want to see how audiences are reacting you know buyers and sellers definitely want to do that because it gives them a much better sense of how a movie plays and then, and then the other reason, and <laughs> the other reason is to is to socialize. Exactly. You know? And because I, I mean, if I was very lucky to be able to go to a number of film festivals this year, when it was safer than it is right now, um, and it was just so much fun. It's just so satisfying. That's what people want.
0: Yes, I, I envy you, Anne. It's been so long since I've been you know, Sorry. on on the ground at a festival. Um,
1: Are you th- set to go to Sundance?
0: Yes, yes, um, and I think, you know, the sentiment that I'm getting from from everyone from, you know, agents from filmmakers from distributors is that people really want to go and they're really eager to for exactly the reasons that you said I mean, you know, people want to gather again and they want to watch these movies in a theater and and you know that's just this element that's been so missing from so much of the activity over the last few years. Um, but I think that you know, going back to that dial, we saw last year that Sundance can put on a very successful virtual festival. Um, you know, the best one you know. I've been to. It was great. It was great. The platform worked really well. You know, there was there was a it sense was that of a live
1: component where you could yeah. see Q and A's and you could really feel the buzz.
0: It felt like you were a part of something rather than just I don't know, queuing something up on Netflix to watch. It was a very you know it was a special experience and and i think that they had a lot of success with that um and they liked so we, being able to pull people in around the country too they did and you know they're doing that again this year they're having the satellite screens at art houses all around the country you know which i think is a great component and i wouldn't be surprised if that's something that outlives the pandemic um you know because that i think is a, a nice way to really highlight how um you know, when people talk about that special theatrical experience and what you can only get in the theater, that's the kind of thing that, um, I think, you know, people who go to small movie theaters, art houses that, you know, that's what they're looking for. They're looking for something really special that they can't get elsewhere.
1: All right. So speaking of, uh, that, um, oh yeah, they canceled the AFI, um, top 10 celebration, which is one of my favorites, but it's very much indoors. It's like every, it's, it's like every top studio head and, and movie star in Hollywood assembled and television and film assembled in one room, um, which makes it a very special event, but it also means yes. that it would kill off out, kill out the entire leadership structure of Hollywood yes. in one go, if there was anyone like yeah. infectious in there. But uh, yeah, so basically, uh, let's talk about the um, the the, uh, the the big question here with the box office. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I wrote some story where I was basically explaining that box office and Oscars sort of go together. And the reason for that is that if you have a hit and if you've built a following for a movie, it means that there's a rooting interest in that movie. And if King Richard doesn't do that well at the box office or West Side Story doesn't do that well, both of them appealing to adult audiences, one of them day and date, the other one only theatrical, it just diminishes um, the the impact um, that it has on audiences going forward into into the Oscar race. And I think both of those films are going to do really, really well. What is your sense of what's going on with the adult audience at in
0: theaters you know we saw with spider-man that you know kind of that younger uh you know franchise driven audience is absolutely willing to go back and and i think that that was kind of lower on the list of of the existential questions about theatrical um but yeah that you know really there i i think there's uh there's still a lot of questions about will will the adult audiences go out to theaters um and uh you know it's it's interesting because i'm thinking back a few weeks ago to when pig ended up um on hulu and you know this was something that did have a theatrical release earlier but it but it was interesting because there was so much conversation around the movie once it had hit streaming and it was like it opened up this other audience for the movie that maybe wasn't compelled to go see it in a theater good point Um, yeah. And, and, you know, I remember like they, they did, um, they had an interview on KCRW and, you know, there was just a lot of conversation about it on, on social. And it was almost like this, you know, the second, you know, second the second. release is back in the
1: race. <laughs> Yeah.
0: Um. So, you know, I think that there, there's really this big question about how streaming might, you know, the role that streaming might play in, in kind of the life cycle of these movies that are really meant for, adult audiences. Um, I saw King Richard at, at AFI Fest, and it I think it played really, really well. And it was great. I mean, it, you know, and I think it made it a more emotional experience. But, um, you know, I think there's also th- th- that movie is so fascinating, because, you know, Venus and Serena aside, it is, you know, it does kind of feel like the kind of movie that it is certainly not really made by studios anymore and
1: um well they only made that one because there was identifiable brand names attached to it
0: with the you know the warner brothers aspect it's it's like you know they clearly are they're thinking differently about about the way that um you know the math that goes into their movies like it doesn't, does it need to make, you know, does it need to break even or make a profit in the theater when they can use it as a draw to HBO Max? And, um, you know, it kind of seems like they're leaning toward, um, they're leaning toward a, a an idea that no, maybe it doesn't. And, and theatrical can kind of be this thing that that sets a movie apart. And then when it does end up on streaming, there's this kind of higher profile to it. And it's not just another netflix movie that lands on the service and you know kind of is amidst a bunch of different tiles of stuff you know the office and you know whatever new show is out
1: netflix already figured that out i mean they do these limited three three week theatrical runs in new york and la and they they're, they and they run and they have the most sophisticated um, awards uh, plat, you know uh, team working tirelessly to get as much attention for these movies as possible because they want to brand them before they get them onto the service. And they use the Oscars as a marketing tool
0: basically.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you're absolutely right that that's where we're heading. The question though, is if Spielberg's West Side story ends up on theatrical only, and people are still measuring the box office in certain, in old-fashioned ways. They haven't abandoned the old metrics of success. If they look at the numbers at the box office and register that the West Side Story is going to make lose money, right? Then they're still judging it on the basis of its budget versus the return.
0: Right, and then it's painted as somewhat of a fa- of a failure. Um, you know, I think that there there actually there might be some level. Here of, you know, I think that the the decision makers are, their thinking has evolved, but I think that in some ways there's, you know, the press and and other parts of the industry haven't exactly caught up to it because there's so much we don't know. There's so much we don't know about, you know, how can you put a dollar value to a movie that is, you know, maybe going to find its value on streaming versus something like publicly reported grosses where you kind of know, like, this is something that either turned a profit or it lost money. And, you know, it's, it's all very confusing. This was something, uh, you know, me, Tom Brueggemann and, and Tyler Hersko, we just uh, a few weeks ago um, wrote a a story for our anniversary series about, you know, the changing metrics of success. And at the end of the day, there's really no clear answers yet, but, um, you know, engagement is, is a really big thing. I think that um studios and streamers they they want to see that people are excited about these movies they're talking about them and and that they're really able to rise above just this sea of content that i really don't like using the word content but
1: i know and i was i was interested to note that when we were reporting on the shortlist yesterday uh, the oscar shortlist uh, dropped this week and we'll talk about that in a minute um w- one of the disney publicists Reached out to me and didn't want me describe. You know, we always put the distributor in in parentheses after the title. Usually, that would be the theatrical distributor. More and more people are asking me to put in Hulu or Disney.
0: You know, I've had that happen to me. And
1: they wanted they wanted uh, Summer of Soul not to be Searchlight, but to be Hulu and Searchlight. Um, and I noted that with some interest.
0: That I think that exact example that exact example came up for me too a while back where they were, they, they wanted it to be noted as Hulu and Searchlight. Uh, And I think that that speaks to the, you know, the pig example where, you know, for a lot of people, when these movies land on Hulu or wherever else, that's kind of, that's where they are. And that's kind of the, Oh, I can turn on Hulu and I can watch this movie. Um, And, you know, Summer of Soul, Pig, those are, you know, those are two really big movies for Hulu, I think in different, um, you know, kind of different segments, right? Uh, but, you know, both are kind of these crown jewels of, of what they have to offer recently.
1: One of the things that I was wondering all along when I was speculating at the beginning of the pandemic, what the impact would be if we lost a lot of theaters. And I actually do think that while that was delayed by the fact that the theaters got a lot of um, influx of money from the government to help them stay open during the pandemic, now they have to make it on their own right yeah. based on how many people show up and and their costs and their returns and yeah a spider-man will help and tom was just suggesting that at the end of the year if, if matrix does as well as he thinks it's going to do we could end up close to whatever uh the the top number of predictions for the year were supposed to be you know we could be back in the realm of of the living But it it kind of looks like the theaters are gonna have to make do with a lot fewer movies, a lot more movies based um, on IP, a lot more movies uh, targeted to younger um, moviegoers who are willing to go, and that the older audience may have changed their habits so permanently that even after uh, the pandemic is over, they may not return. What does that do are you saying that, what does it do on two fronts? One, budgets. If, if West Side Story gets made in the future, is it uh, a lower budget? And two, um, do you just look at a Searchlight movie as a three-week engagement and give up on the whole idea of a long-term uh, word of mouth, build the buzz kind of, of play and that, and that that's over?
0: Good question. I feel like this is this is the you know this the key it, question. Right many ways. Well, I think <laughs> but on the search. the answer. But on the searchlight front, I think what's interesting is that they're they're now producing movies that will exclusively be released on Hulu. That's true. In addition to and television, the... and television. in addition to the movies that will be released in theaters and then will later end up on Hulu. And that seems pretty interesting to me because I think it suggests that internally there's still some sort of distinction between a movie that is worth its, you know, the cost of releasing it theatrically and wow. marketing everything, and movies that are, you know, and also there would be some benefit for that, right? And movies that are, for, for whatever reason, would be just fine or better, released straight to Hulu. Um, so I feel like maybe there's a, I think there's a sense right now of, of kind of experimentation. And I imagine Disney would not, although uh, Bob Chapek has been pretty uh, forthright about the idea of experimenting when he referred to Shang-Chi as, you know, an interesting experiment with, with that release plan. So you know i think that there there is a sense that they're just trying different things and seeing what works um
1: do you think that the model that so you know that we we know that that warner brothers hbo max has abandoned the 2021 model right mm-hmm. so the day and date thing is going to be no more i mean they may do some that way but it won't be uh, etched in stone if dune were to come out next year uh, it would have uh, a theatrical run before it goes uh, on online. So, so presumably, are we looking at a kind of forty-five day window for most movies going forward for most of the studios, except for Universal, which has a seventeen day window.
0: I think it, I think it could, I think it'll vary. I think forty-five will maybe re- represent the longest window, uh, unless uh, you know, unless you have kind of certain. Days it could be 90 days for you know the certain filmmakers who are able to, yes, exactly. Uh the exception to the rule though. Um you know, I, I think there's there's also this interesting question where I think a lot of people um you know who are not us closely watching every turn of the screw and you know when the when windows change and when the release dates change, I think that there is some confusion about. All right, I know that this movie, I've heard about this particular movie, but I don't really know exactly where I can watch it. Is it in theaters? Is it is it on streaming? When is it going to be available on streaming? Do I have to pay extra for it? Uh, and I, and I think that that is that's confusing to to audiences
1: the other day. So my PlayStation is, isn't working right now. I use the PlayStation to play videos. We wanted to watch Meet Me in St. Louis, which I have a DVD. Of course, it's like my favorite movie of all time. My favorite Christmas movie of all time. I laugh, I cry, I sing, you know, but, but the, but the trick was to, Nora figured it out. Finally, she got on the, um, on the Apple remote and she just said the name of the movie, you know, into it. And it gave you the options. And yes, you could see it on HBO Max. That's where you could see it without paying right. for it. So that's the trick is to is to search and see what they tell you. Because yeah. I have a number of subscriptions that would work. Uh, I'd rather not pay.
0: Yeah, I think that uh you know, in that example, it's kind of like, you know, the the, the path of least resistance, let you know, let the machine do the work for you, right? It's just <laughs> we shouldn't fight, we shouldn't fight these things anymore
1: all right so what about the budgets though do you see you what we don't know what we're talking about is we do not know a how many theaters are going to survive how many of them is cineworld going to go bankrupt right meanwhile you know adam aaron of of uh amc fame is like cheering the spider-man numbers as if he's somehow vindicated by this movie doing well at the box office of course marvel movies do well at the box office that's not news.
0: No, not the at all. The rest
1: of the movies that have to do well.
0: Yeah, I, I wasn't very. Yeah, the, Adam Aaron's comments were very interesting to me because it it just I, I don't think I don't think anyone thought that Spider Man would do poorly. No. It, I mean, it did very well. It did so well, and I think maybe the extent of how well it did it was you know a surprise. It's not an
1: evidence of health. It's an no. evidence of something terribly wrong, actually. Marvel yeah. movies are the only movies that are doing business. Is not good. I'm exaggerating, but the they're the only big big spectacle movies like Dune, and the, the exception would be um, uh, Free Guy. Mm-hmm. But that has a, a visual effects component too. It has scale to it.
0: You know, I think it, it's hard to say about the budgets because I think that um, it, it all goes back to that question of we don't know the value of you know a given movie on streaming exactly when the goals are keep subscribers and attract new ones and you know it, it's hard to say because i think that you know i mean we saw i mean what was um uh red red notice right the the ryan reynolds netflix movie i mean that was what i think it was 200 million dollars it was it was very expensive and you know that's a movie where theatrical had no
1: As on netflix yeah this is part of the question netflix's metrics and numbers and number of subscribers are so large that they can afford to spend the money more money than the studios can afford to spend I used to think it was the studios that had the deep deepest pockets i've heard um studio heads crying in their beer that they can't spend money the way netflix does
0: yeah netflix is in a very fortunate position uh so you know maybe i I think maybe theatrical could be not only just a, a piece to kind of raise the profile of a movie before it ends up on streaming, but it could also, you know, there could be a part of that where, all right, we want to make some of our, we want to bring in some money that way. And then it goes on streaming and then it, you know, it becomes, you know, uh, the, the value of it on streaming is, you know, maybe it, it, there's not as much pressure on it because it did bring in a little bit at the theaters less than traditionally they would have liked, but, um, you know, it might take a little bit of the pressure off of it, and, and it, it could allow them to spend Netflix kind of money if they have that, you know, two-part release plan.
1: Yeah, yeah. When I did talk to the arthouse exhibitors, uh, distributors in, in Cannes, they told me that they had simply... When they crunch the numbers on any kind of budget or any kind of acquisition cost, they simply have taken X percent off of what they expect to get at the theaters. It's like 30 yeah. percent or whatever it was, and then the other uh, distrib- distributor was saying that the revenues they get from all the other different streams online is is much bigger. So that's how it's playing out. It's just the theaters that are left, you know, short. And I still think that it's it's a shame uh, because they, here's the other question, Um, safety in theaters. Um, They did some studies. uh, These were revealed at CinemaCon. um, That if you're sitting still in a movie theater, you're not talking, you're wearing your mask, you're looking forward. Uh, They have huge uh, filters on on the air there in, in the big theaters. You're really safe compared to being in a restaurant or in a bar or at a, a sports event where everybody's yelling and talking in, in their each other's face, um, or a church where everybody's, you know, people are singing. Um, you know, these are these are high risk uh, indoor, indoor act, uh, public activities. And And compared to that, movies are low risk, but they haven't been promoting that fact. And I think one of the reasons they can't promote it is that they don't enforce the mask wearing. What do you what do you think is going on?
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I've I've been I have ventured back to the to the theaters, and you know, I've I've felt safe, and I think that you're right, where you know there isn't there isn't that enforcement there, where you know there's people that I've I've noticed that they're certainly they have their masks off throughout the entire movie, and not just when they're eating or drinking. And yeah, um, that's the problem. Yeah, so there's a reality there's a reality problem there where are people actually wearing their masks? And I think the answer is often no, they're not. And I mean, this is based in LA where, you know, I think mask wearing is such a part of the culture, but I can't imagine what it's like in other parts of the country where, you know, it's not so compulsory to wear a mask when you go out in public. So this
1: year's uh, 10 Oscar shortlist, because they added sound are voted on by six branches of the Academy music, documentary, animation, and shorts, VFX, makeup, hairstyling, and, um, And for the first time sound and and the people who get involved in the international where they just have to see anyone can can be uh participating if they see 12 movies that they're assigned Uh, so nominations are on february the 8th and um this year more people went to screenings more people saw movies um offline uh but a lot of them saw them on the on the academy portal so you know predictably with all the crafts you know dune did well um, you know, you, you, would expect that and, um, uh, Netflix did, did really well with 16 shortlist slots across 13 films. I mean, you know how they think they, they get those name actors into best song contention just by sticking a movie on the credits, you know, uh, yes. a song on the credits. So, so, um, you know, we have, we have her coming back for the second year in a row she's got, uh. Automatic Woman from Bruised, which is a Netflix movie you wouldn't expect to see in the Oscar race necessarily. Nah. You know, you have Kid Cootie with a couple of songs. Uh, Guns Go Bang from The Harder They Fall and Just Look Up from Don't Look Up. And then Ariana Grande is on that one as well. And Jay Z is on Guns Go Bang. And there's a Beyonce song in there somewhere. Yeah. You know, it's it, it's it's you know, and you've got the scores uh, for Johnny Greenwood for The Power of the Dog and Spencer. I mean, the music branch is just so idiosyncratic. You know, they're they, they Diane Warren has to get in right for the, you know, She's she's been nominated 12 times and never won for some uh, uh, indie Sundance movie that nobody uh, ever heard of. But Netflix had two slots in the International you know, two slots in the sound, they got a doc, they got uh, a, a, a short for animated, they got four uh, documentary shorts, so they, they, did, they did well. And, uh, you know, um, it's, you know, Power of the Dog did well, um, you know, it, it, it's clear uh, that, you know, we, 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 we see King Richard in there, Tragedy of Macbeth in there, uh, West Side Story in there. Um, and it, it's all, you know, summer of soul is, is probably the front runner for, for best documentary, but flea got two for doc and for international. And, uh, they did more music docs than usual for the shortlist, uh, Billy Eilish and, and, uh, Todd Haynes. And then Billy got, of course, the no time to die, uh, song, which. Hopefully, we'll move on to be. I suspect that we'll be nominated, and and we'll probably win. In my, mm. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, yeah, so that's where we are. I know you've got to go. I'll let you. I'll let you uh, move on. Did you Did you pick up on anything uh, interesting uh, on the shortlist before before we go?
0: Well, I was very. I, I just before I, I came to Boston, I, I watched drive my car in a theater, which is absolutely the kind of movie that I think should be seen in the theater to really sink in and enjoy those three hours. Um, so I you know, was not surprised by any means to see it uh, shortlisted, but very happy to see it on there.
1: Yeah. I think it's when, it's one LA film critics, New York film critics, mm-hmm. they rarely agree. It's at the top of a lot of people's 10 best, including mine. It's extraordinary, but it is three hours. So it, it, uh, it will require people to to take that time.
0: Yeah, a worthwhile investment.
1: This was fun. I enjoyed it. Okay. Bye
0: bye. bye.